And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Monday, a very special Monday, as we kick off our Red Eye Radio pre-Thanksgiving sale, half off Tim Scott for President buttons and bumper stickers. Uh, get them while you can. Gary. How are you? Not surprised. Nope. We've been saying it for weeks now, uh, but it's, you know, the word's been out that his campaign was running low on on cash. But, yeah, Tim Scott exits stage right. And there's nothing wrong with Tim Scott. Nope. Nope. Nothing Um, at all. You know, the the funny thing is, when it uh, came out, uh, when was it, late yesterday afternoon? Mm, uh, yeah, or, or was, was yeah, because he he made the announcement uh, to Trey Gowdy, right? Yeah, I did. I, did they have a release before that? I didn't see where they did. You know something? I'm sitting here. I don't know when I saw the first saw the story. Okay, <laughs> I'm sitting but, here going. All right, I I have to admit, I don't know when I first saw the story, but I yeah, I saw the story. Well, but that's <laughs> that's what you point out, and and that's indicative of, of uh, I I think uh, Tim Scott's message getting through. And I told you I was on the road. At a truck show, uh, at the Walcott, Iowa truck show at the Iowa 80 in mid-July. And Tim Scott was having an event at my hotel. And I found out about it the next morning. And, you know, it was, I I don't know where the hits and misses are. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, Tim Scott's campaign, uh, in terms of the message itself, was a great message, but it just simply wasn't resonating, and that's what he was telling Trey Gowdy earlier on uh, Fox I, News. I, I, again, this is such a unique election season, mm-hmm. but I I will say this that that um, and I could be completely wrong, uh, but Tim Scott's campaign reminded me a little bit of Reagan in eighty. Yeah, you know, coming out yeah. and talking about the United because you really don't have candidates coming out as. As as he is in talking about the greatness of the United States and the potential right. of the United yeah. States and yeah. and all yeah. and that's a great message and it, and absolutely and, and it is true, mm-hmm. but I think the difference between now 
and the difference between, uh, you know, 1979 mm -hmm. is is the fact that, unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember, uh, you know, what happened at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we had inflation. You had the the Iranian hostage uh, situation. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Carter was looked at at as as being weak and not being able to get things done. But he never got blamed for causing the problems. Right, right. And and so, you know, we always talk about, oh, the Malay speech that he gave one time, mm -hmm. which I still hate. Mm -hmm. I hate watching uh, the, um, the, the hockey movie Miracle, mm -hmm. where they have his speech in it, mm -hmm. where he's talking. Mm -hmm. and, and they're relating it, you know, to the hockey players, mm -hmm. you know, who are, you know, go, 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 and the coach... Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, go, 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 let's go win this. You know, we're not going to take anything from anybody. And, uh, it, you know, trying to make a comparison for the the uh, depression of the American people versus mm -hmm. the hockey team, mm -hmm. you know, that was uh, going to win the gold. You mean, yeah, you knew, you knew right. they were going to win the gold. Right. And, and I just, because I remember where I was at that point, and I had gotten out of college in in 77, and I went into radio for a year, couldn't make any money, and I sucked. Some people still believe I do today. Mm, yeah, uh, but and I, was, I call those people our production staff. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was, um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember at that point that I decided, and I had my degree, and I'd worked in banking, and was a you know, and and did radio for a year, and was a club DJ and all that. But I ended up going into what my family always did, which was you know, uh, being in machining. Yeah. And I didn't have any problem with it at all. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't look at it. I never looked at it as if, um, oh, okay, my college has failed me. Right. Yeah. Uh, will somebody pay off my loan? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, life sucks. I remember how optimistic I was just about life. I knew that. I mean, I never gave up on radio. I just said, well, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. Yeah. But keep working, keep working. And then while I was working, I was still doing the club DJing, you know, at the same time. Right. And then in uh, 83, early 83, I got back in radio and I haven't been out since. Um, and but I was not when, when they talk about how depressed the American public was. I wasn't depressed. I mean, I'm, I'm a young person out of college and I was just full of optimism about where life could lead. Mm -hmm. And I knew because dad had told me a long time ago, you're, you're probably going to have a lot more jobs than I've had in my life. Mm -hmm. Dad told me at 14 that it's not going to be like it, you know, like it has been, you know, post-World War II. Mm -hmm. And he said, there's, you know, post-World War II, you know, be, be explained to me what happened in the fifties and all that. And, and, you know, the, the economy was booming and people could keep their jobs you know, for, you know, 25, 30 years. He said, that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. And he told yeah. me that back in, he would have told me that back in 1968 or 69. I think I was 14 when he told me that. Yeah. But it was before, and he just told me, he said, so you better be prepared to do multiple things. Well, by the time we got to 79, I mean, there I am in my in my 20s, and mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. all right, uh, what am I going to do? So that didn't surprise me. So I've always been a little bummed out by that, but... I think the difference is when Reagan came in with this optimistic, uh, you know, uh, look, 
America's great, America's this. I think it was completely diametrically opposed to what you got from Jimmy Carter that was saying, basically in the Malay speech, everything sucks. Mm -hmm. Everything sucks and everybody's bummed out. Well, the difference is here. The people realize that Biden and the Democrats are causing the problems. Mm -hmm. Forget about the solutions. They're causing the, 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 the problems and they've taken the level of insanity to a level never seen before. And so Trump uh, Trump provides that sense of urgency in a mm-hmm. political campaign. Mm-hmm. Whether he's going to do the right thing or not, if he becomes president or not, I have no idea. You know, we right. talked about the other day, he's the one that came up with the, you know, the, 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 the wealth tax, some of the other things that he wishes to put in, you know, or he's talked about, we have disagreed with in the past. But there's always been a sense of urgency of getting the job done with Trump. Right. And I think that's what relates. There's more of a anger to come out now and say America's great and we have great potential. Well, yeah, people know that. They already know they know that already. Right. Yeah. And the Republicans sure. know that already, and probably many independents know that already. But you've got another political party that's putting in insane policies that are hurting our national security, our energy security. And our economic security each and every day. And they're walking around. They did it again this weekend as if everything was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, the economy's doing great. People just don't recognize it's doing great. So I think it's a completely separate thing. But I've always sensed that he has uh, tried to mirror what Reagan did, figuring, okay, massive inflation back then. We're in the same place today, and we're not in the same place today. It's different. Yeah, it is different. And, you know, there there seems to be, there is clearly that barrier. Back then, you had, again, a number of people, pretty much everybody, most everybody was looking for solutions. They were waiting for somebody to point to a solution. And now, there just seems to be a greater, a much greater uh, level of, political idolatry, uh, the the tribalism that exists, and, and the fact that you have to claim that, you know, whatever it is, whatever cause or side you belong to, that's something you have to declare repeatedly. And it's not, you know, when you talk to people every single day, the conversations are very normal, but you can't get away with certain things in your campaign, you know, like you could get away with years ago. You know, you have to take a side on pretty much anything that is put in front of you at any given time. And I mean, mm-hmm. small things and they change on the fly. And, you know, <laughs> You and I were talking in the pre-show meeting. Uh, well, now we've got multiple continuing resolutions being offered, according to the Speaker of the House over the weekend. How does Matt Gates feel about that? <laughs> Was that his problem all along? That before, Kevin McCarthy only had one continuing resolution, mm-hmm. not two different ones well, to choose from. You know, I, I think, getting back to Tim Scott just quickly here, that I, I think that you, and I think you might have hit a point there, that um, he's out there so much because most people don't see the lower candidates each and every day. And they remember, mm-hmm. you know, the the opening speeches and the things. And when you get out there and you talk about how, you know, that how great America can be and the 
and the the great America and what we should be and everything else. Things are so insane right now that some might think, okay, he's ignoring the problems by just saying everything is great. Yeah, right. And yeah. he won't be direct because you you talked about the fact that you need to have an opinion on everything today. Well, you have and to, make it boom, 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 boom. And if you're sort of generalizing that America is great, not that it's a wrong message to give. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the right political message at the right time. And also, you know, Trump is is in it too and has had such a great lead. But it's like why he didn't catch on as being even a secondary candidate, I believe those may have been some of the challenges that he faced. Yeah, you know, the declaration of having to, you know, uh, belong in whatever corner, you know, because the tribalism will shift, you know, even between those on the right, um, it will shift and you have to say, well, I declare this or I declare that. And it's on it's not on the major issues. But the one thing that you have to do, and I think you're right, you you have to point to the big things that are on the table right now that affect everybody. And there has to be talk about a real solution. And yep. there has to be, I mean, you look at it. I don't know anybody that would argue with you right now, secure the border. Except for Mayorkas and Biden and pretty much everybody in, in the administration. Uh, but the rank and file left and right they want the borders secure they don't want right now those in the blue cities they don't want their blue cities overrun and it's only going to be more so between now and january of 25 and so now you know you look at that you look at national defense you look at things you know everything going on in with the war between israel and hamas you look at uh the economy inflation my gosh looking at some menu prices over the weekend, and it was just insane. Insane. One meal, and it wasn't this extravagant restaurant. It was just like a regular middle-class bar and grill type restaurant and one meal, nearly 40 bucks out the door for one person. Then you get to uh, fast food. 12, 15, 16 dollars for a combo meal. You know, you look at these things and this is what's hitting people every single day because like it or not, Americans eat a lot of restaurant food and that's why I picked that that one topic that to to demonstrate what's going on with inflation and then at the grocery store. You know, I mean, I I heard I overheard two people talking about this one lady saying I've gotten to where I'm now I'm just making, I'm making my own bread. This one lady said, yeah, I'm making my own butter. And I'm like, well, that's a great thing. It, it's probably a lot better than what you're buying at the store. But the fact of the matter is, is that people are running out of their credit card room now. They've gone through their savings. If they had savings, they've gone through their credit cards now. They've topped out there. And what else do you do? You tap into your 401k. That's limited as well. People are looking for a solution because they're drowning. 86690-RED-EYE. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hot Shot Secret, the country's number one fastest-growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump falls short. 
Let's highlight diesel fuel's lubricity. Diesel fuel in the United States must have enough lubricity so the fuel does not produce a wear scar greater than 520 microns. The U.S. is much more lax on this specification, which leads to more fuel system failures here in the U.S. compared to other parts of the world. Without the proper lubrication, you run the risk of fuel pump and injector failures. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep lubricity levels in spec, to keep the fuel system protected and avoid costly repairs and downtime. Add Hotshot Secret EDT Plus Winter Defense, a 7-in-1 anti-gel fuel booster at every fill-up to keep your fuel's lubricity within specification of U.S. standards and the Engine Manufacturers Association recommendation for lubricity to keep you from gelling. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hotshot Secret's EDT Plus Winter Defense at HotshotSecret.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Interesting day on the uh, Sunday morning news shows. Uh, this was on uh, CNN. Uh, Biden's campaign communication director 
Michael Tyler. Mm. All right, here All we right. go. The president said nobody should have to work two jobs to stay out of poverty. This woman has three, yes, 14 million jobs, but how many people have to work two of them to stay afloat? Labor Department numbers came out for the third quarter. Nearly 8.4 million people in this country are working at least two jobs. That's the highest number since 2019. So when people are looking for that economic shift, they don't feel it. To that woman, you say what? Yeah, I'd say that that's precisely why we need another four years until you to finish the job, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the public. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. Nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> that's why we need an, another four years because everything is crap. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I it, it's. I, I guess I guess they start every morning at the White House by drinking. <laughs> I think they just get up, show up, and you know, forget the coffee anymore. They just pull up to a bar, get drunk, and take that kind of garbage to the people. Because there's nothing else, I guess, they can say. Let's play more. This is uh, This Week. Uh, Maryland uh, Governor Wes Moore, uh, as they talk about the economy. I think what, what President Biden is going to continue to show is that results do matter. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to say we're going to rail against the system. Um, and it's another thing to actually work to make systems better. And that's what I think President Biden has continued to show. You know, when you think about the, the bills that he has passed, the work that he has done all throughout this country in urban, rural, and suburban parts of this country about economic growth and economic upliftment, about being able to make sure that people's freedoms are actually protected and everybody is seen in conversations and not just some. That's what President Biden has been able to push on. That's what he's been able to get done. I mean, it's delusional. It's delusional explanations that everybody knows it's delusional. Upliftment? Are you kidding me? But if by that last part he means, you know, because criminals should get deference too, then he's absolutely spot on. During the Biden administration, criminals are getting deference. Bail reform. I mean, it's, Look at the mass exit from the Bay Area. They have nowhere else to go. They have nowhere else to go except to say, what you're feeling as a public and what you're not feeling, what you're actually experiencing is not happening. Yeah, right. You're actually doing great. And they've stayed on this. I'll give them this. They have stayed on this relentlessly. As the polls show, it's not sticking and hasn't been sticking. And join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> I'm just thinking here as I'm going through uh, all the different uh, audio cuts. I'm thinking, oh, all I'm doing here is playing audio cuts and therefore pointing. <laughs> Look what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Look what they're saying. Exactly what you said. All Republicans need to do is point. Look just what they're point. saying. 
Look what they're saying. Just point. Uh, this is uh, Biden's Commerce Secretary, Gina uh, Raimondo, yesterday, uh, yesterday on CNN. All right. Ready for this? All right. Here we go. Okay. The, as you say, we are in turmoil all around the world. And I will tell you, at least once a week when I'm you know, with the president and watching him with world leaders, I feel so grateful that he is the man in charge of our country right now. Man, I'm telling yeah. you, it just, right. it, it's like we're just going to double down and double down and double yeah. down and double down and double yep. down and double down. Everything's great. He's great at the economy, foreign relations. He has no flaws. And it's hilarious because they're just going to stick on that narrative. Mm-hmm. They're not going to move from that narrative. Where right. did I see the story? Was it the Federalist? Over the weekend, because we had, I'd stated it uh, last week or the, uh, I think it was last week, uh, about Biden throwing uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, under the bus. And what was it? Uh, oh, was it? Oh, the, the whole Islamophobia thing. It's like, yeah, it's like, we don't want to touch it. You go out there and you promote the fact that we're going to do stuff against Islamophobia, as everybody is talking about anti-Semitism. Right. And it was like... He's repeatedly thrown her under the bus on a number of things. And, you know, the the word got out fairly early that there was this rift between the two. But it's probably more of an incompetence contest which one is more incompetent at their job? And quite frankly, that's a close call. But, you know, the thing is where his messaging is right now, the, the only thing the White House can do, the only thing the Biden campaign and the White House can do is just keep saying that nothing's wrong. Well, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It really is. William H. Macy in Fargo. <laughs> oh, no, it's no, everything's great. No, the economy's very, nope, nope, very good. He's fleeing the interview. And those are the, you know, those are the problems that, you know, that, that they have is the more they deny. But then they get last Tuesday what they think is a bump with election results. They think, Man, we're winning. No, we're winning. Then all of a sudden, the David Axelrods of the world are, you know, shoved over to the corner. And by the way, I saw an article over the weekend, you know, the David Axelrod and others saying he needs to step down is actually part of the rift between Biden and his former boss, Barack Obama. And it's the Barack Obama camp, essentially, which would include a David Axelrod and the Biden camp, you know, going back and forth in that rift. I really don't care. The facts of the matter is the majority of rank and file Democrats don't want him to be the guy, but he's the guy. He is the guy. You make a great point. By the time we got to the weekend, all of the celebration of the great momentum of the Democrats was gone. Yeah, it was over. Yeah, that's a great point. I want to play this here. This is uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher on with uh, Pamela Paul, opinion column, columnist at the New York Times. 
and uh, and Jordan Peterson, even though he doesn't comment, uh, I don't believe on uh, precisely on this uh, on on this. Also, Ted Cruz was on, and it was funny because he's talking to Ted Cruz. He can't argue with Ted Cruz on the border at all. Right. It's like, well, yeah, right. okay, yeah. Yeah, it was really amazing, some of that conversation on the border that he had. But uh, this was on uh, Obama, mm. Obama and the moral equivalency and how Bill Maher is getting sick of the moral equivalency and how he has been so pleased by Obama and so disappointed by what Obama said last week. Just, I'm telling you, Bill Maher is delusional at times because I agree with him that what Obama said was wrong. But he's making the point as if this just appeared. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, like there were no warning signs that this was coming our way. Uh, hopefully I get the audio cut here. It's uh, <laughs> my computer's doing a little circle thing. So we'll see. Here we go. Yeah, I must say I, I am struggling with people's moral equivalency still. I mean, Barack Obama, who has rarely disappointed me, did so this week. I mean, his statement... I mean, it's not a horrible statement, but he said, if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take in the whole truth, and then you have to admit nobody's hands are clean. Literally, that's true, of course. But just give me two examples where this is, I don't think, a helpful statement at this moment. First of all, the attack was only a month ago. A more savage attack than we've ever seen in reverse. There's a big difference between collateral damage and what Hamas did. Second, <laughs> secondly, Now, interesting, before we go any further... That was <laughs> that's a liberal Hollywood audience. Yeah, that was not the applause sign yeah. going up. No, that's an HBO yeah. audience. Yes. So let's continue here. Okay, the Israelis are now allowing a four-hour pause for people to get out. I'm sorry, people say, "Oh, wow, big of them." Okay, but it is a war that the other side started. So interesting. When they fire at Israel, it's a war. When Israel fires back, it's a war crime. A little crazy. So, and, and also, would Hamas do that? Would they give four-hour pause? They, no, no pausing. And then Israel's heritage minister was asked in an interview about using a nuke on Gaza. And he said that's one of the possibilities. He was fired, not allowed in the cabinet meeting anymore, disavowed by the prime minister. Would that happen in reverse? So enough with the moral equivalencies, I please. Mean, I think the only moral equivalency you can make there is that there are civilian deaths on both sides, and that's tragic. And no one wants civilian deaths in this scenario except for Hamas. Iran but, probably wants them too. Yes. But who very deliberately set out to kill civilians, whereas, as you pointed out, Israel is trying not to kill civilians. But uh, Yes, and also because, and this um, minister said one thing that was true, I don't think his nuclear comment was very smart, but he said, you can't scare them with death. That's a big difference yes. with this conflict. and Especially with other people's death. With, or, but with but their with own. own. Their well, own yeah. People yeah, don't care yeah. about other people in wars, but they do often mostly care about their own. I think we are forgetting a little bit of the Islamic fanaticism part of this, because you're not supposed to talk about that anymore. Because if you do, even how, no matter how realistic it is, it becomes Islamophobia. But it's true. The people in Hamas who kill their own people think they're doing them a favor because they're becoming martyrs. That's a, that's a, a different kind of situation you have to deal with that Israel has that most people don't. Now, there's a couple things here. Uh, I agree with him. There are the uh, there are the terrorists that are willing to die. We know that. 
What we have found out, though, in history has shown us the leadership actually does not. The majority of the leadership does not want to die. Right. Which is why killing Soleimani when Trump did that was so effective. It was a recruiting tactic from the beginning. Saying that you're going to, you know, saying you're going, if you die for the cause, you're going to be a martyr was about recruitment. It always was. Leadership was always on the run. They didn't want to die for the cause. They didn't lead the charge. But saying that he is shocked by it. And but. Where does he think this came from? How is Obama so wrong, Bill Maher? How is he so wrong? Maybe he's an anti-Semite. You know, you and I remember when he first got into office and the Jewish leadership freaked out saying, my God, we can't believe how he's responding towards Israel. Well, understand the radical that he is and understand who really, who really pushed identity politics. When you actually go back to it and you look at the, for example, the identity politics of the radical uh, liberal transgender activist movement, that was created by Obama, Mm -hmm. changing Title IX. Mm -hmm. When you look at anti-Israeli thought coming from the White House mindset, that came really from Obama. You didn't see that before coming from the White House, either Democrat or Republican. That started with him. Identity politics, judging people by groups. Oh, who was the first one that uh, that uh, uh, came out before he knew what the facts were? Before he ever knew what the facts were of any situation when it was police with citizens who took the anti-police side before even knowing what the facts on the ground were. That was Obama. Yep. Obama believes in identity politics. He judges people by groups and not individuals. Why are you surprised that he is calling a moral equivalency between those who target civilians and decapitate babies and you attempt to make a moral equivalency from a modern Western country who is defending themselves and making the case that the collateral damage is the same. And even the New York Times reporter stating, well, the only moral equivalency is that there's civilians being killed collaterally. That's not a moral equivalency. That's not the moral equivalency that you're talking that, that's that's important here at all. The moral equivalency is saying there's no difference between Hamas and Israel. Yeah. And those are the pro-terrorist people that are stating that. There is no gray area there. But Bill Maher, knowing, you know, he knows he can't sit there and, and stick up for what, for what uh, Obama's promoting, but he sure tried to soft sell it, did he not? Yeah, I mean, he's he's trying to soft walk this through because... He's afraid he's going to offend somebody and he's going to be called a racist for criticizing Obama. You, this is where most of this really was shoved to the surface during the Obama years. Joe Biden and the Democrats, the, the, the radical left right now, they're just continuing what Obama started. You should have the guts to say that, but you can't because you got you got swept into the whole euphoria thing back then. And 
you know, he is rarely disappointed. But I will say, what do you mean? Rarely. Look back at the history of this, and you don't have to go back very far. I don't, I don't care how much alcohol you've had and how much weed you've smoked. Your memory's still good enough, if you're as old as Bill Maher, to know that fact. Well, Bill Maher is railing against the radical transgender movement, and the catalyst for that was Obama. Yep. Officially, when it came to to changing the law of the land. Yep. The joint edict between the Department of Justice right. and the Department of Education. By the way, changing the law of the land without a law. Right. By him stating, remember, it was Obama who stated. People forget about this. It was Obama who first stated that men should play against women in sports. Yeah. It is Obama that came up with the concept that even race is a social construct. Yeah. You can be right. whatever race you wish to. When he did the exit interview with The Atlantic back in late 2016, mm -hmm. people don't remember that. We do. Yep. You cannot get more radical than Barack Obama was. When he got into office, though, he was a little hesitant because he saw what the polls, you know, what what happened in the polls. Mm -hmm when he would speak as the radical that he is, based on the things he did and said. Yep. But it's just so funny that Bill Maher has not figured out, and I wish somebody would tell him, look, you weren't railing, you weren't railing against the Democrats when they were attacking conservative blacks as being Uncle Tom's. Right. I mean, it's where do you think identity, the modern identity politics movement started? Exactly. 866 90 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 866 90 Red Eye. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there Hi, are Hi, I'm two John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. The octane action in the dust, a new film puts... Our staff of correspondents provide a fast-paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the Morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thanks for uh, uh, being here uh, this morning. Coming up following the, the top of uh, the hour. <laughs> Sorry, more on the some of the Sunday morning news shows. Some of the interviews that were done yesterday with members of the Biden administration. Uh, the Biden family members that have been subpoenaed by James Comer and the House mm -hmm. Oversight Committee. Where is that going? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, more on Disney Park rides and the lines and what people are doing in the lines. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, that story is like, wow. Just Great. small world after all. <laughs> Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I see uh, Megan uh, Rapino got hurt. Yeah. It was supposed to be, I guess, her last game. Might have blown her Achilles out. And while I will never laugh over anybody getting hurt, whether I agree with them politically or not, her statement afterwards that, I don't know, it's tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> this is basically, this is evidence that there is no God because I was allowed to be hurt. Oh, I'm hoping that was just some kind of weird joke. Yeah, because because the the uh, narcissism, arrogance. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not really sure what adjective describes. Yeah, what she said. <laughs> well, let me put it this way: if uh, injuries are the determining factor as to whether there is a God or not, then there is no God based on all of my aches and pains. <laughs> well, man, if that's, you know, if that's the standard, a sports-related injury, you know, not not one that is <laughs> where, you know, she could no longer use her legs or mm-hmm. arms or both, no longer live without you know, uh, uh, assistance or something like that. Not, not, she's talking about a, I don't know, fairly routine sports injury. It doesn't happen to everyone, but it does happen quite a bit in sports overall. I really hope that was tongue in cheek. <laughs> I really do. Oh, well, if, if your team's not if your team not winning or winning or not winning is an indication of whether there is a god or not then definitely with my experiences with the sports teams that I have cheered for my entire life there absolutely is no god well it's like saying you know <laughs> getting older is proof that there is no god <laughs> 
not winning a Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> or a Stanley Cup. Right. Or, or whatever. By that, by, by by the way, if you say that and and you actually mean it, please stand far away from me <laughs> when you say it. Watch out for lightning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please just be at a distance. Well, that provided me with a chuckle yesterday. That yeah. was that provided me with a big chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully it was supposed to be tongue in cheek. With liberals, oh, you don't have any idea these days. You you don't know. You really don't know. All right, looking at the news, House Speaker Mike Johnson unveiled his proposal on Saturday to avoid a partial government shutdown by extending government funding for some agencies and programs until January 19th and continuing funding for others until February 2nd. The approach is unusual for a stopgap spending bill. Usually lawmakers extend funding until a certain date for all programs. Johnson decided to go with a combination approach addressing concerns from GOP lawmakers seeking to avoid being presented with a massive spending bill just before the holidays. The two-step continuing resolution is a necessary bill to place House Republicans in the best position To fight for conservative victories, Johnson said in a statement after speaking with GOP lawmakers in an afternoon conference call, this bill will stop the absurd holiday season uh, omnibus uh, tradition of massive loaded up spending bills introduced right before the Christmas recess. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to know that everything has changed. <laughs> you know, we we talked about when when Matt Gates, uh, you know, and the whole implosion uh, Speaker of the House thing happened. We we said then, well, it's not going to change because the makeup of the House isn't going to change, and the solutions aren't going to change. The party's version of solution, because I don't know where it gets to on 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 a spending bill. You know, um, I think the GOP looks at this and says, "We it, clearly it looks like in the House, they believe they need to avoid the whole shutdown talk." I saw that ramping up. It was last week. I think it was Thursday of last week. The Washington Post. The federal government is quietly preparing for a shutdown. Here's what you need to know. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, this is the liberal media's way of, you know, nobody else is talking about a shutdown right now, even though we're back then it was on Thursday. It was a week and a day away. No one's talking about this, but we want to bring up the whole idea of a shutdown and how it may happen. But. I think what you hear from the speaker over the weekend, what it sounds like is the GOP doesn't really want to be responsible for it. They want to go back to, and by the way, this is kind of the, was the approach before Oh yeah, with, so with Meadows it, saying, Hey, we've done our job. The Senate needs to do their job. And liberal media was like Meadows or McCarthy, uh, McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> I did that twice over the weekend. I don't know why I was talking to a buddy of mine. 
Um, but McCarthy, the same thing, and the liberal media wanted to blame, blame it on the GOP. Well, no, we've done, uh, or in the House. Well, no, we've done ours. Now the Senate needs to do theirs. Hardline conservatives usually loathe to support temporary spending measures of any sort mm-hmm. had indicated they would give Johnson some leeway to pass legislation known as a continuing resolution or CR to give Congress more time to negotiate a long-term agreement. Which is what exactly <laughs> what uh, what they call them, the hateful eight. Um, the, <laughs> the small group of GOP members that had a complaint about it, that's what they had a problem with. We keep kicking the can down the road. That's well, okay. We'll kick it further down the road. Well, as we have said, the makeup of Congress uh, wasn't going to change. No. And so the options for the Republicans weren't going to change. No. So we didn't see any change coming, whether it was McCarthy or whatever new speaker was put in. Right. And we knew that. We sensed that when, when uh, the whole thing with Jim Jordan running, when Gates was saying, well, he'd be open to a continuing resolution with Jim Jordan. And I didn't see anything from Gates over the weekend. I, I didn't, didn't, I didn't that see would have, That it would have sent him... Uh, going crazy a couple of weeks ago but, but who knows maybe yep. maybe on thursday he makes a move again and johnson is no longer speaker <laughs> late thursday afternoon i mean if you think about it it's kind of the way it happened with mccarthy uh last time it was remember it kind of came and it was a thursday it kind of came out of all of a sudden boom mm-hmm. there it is and you know kevin mccarthy was like you know bring it on remember the whole twitter battle and, oh yeah, you yeah. know, and and there it was, and all right, I I the personality conflict as of yet has not risen. To, if there is one between Matt Gates and Speaker Johnson, we haven't seen it. If there is one, we don't know about it. But there was one with Kevin McCarthy and and Gates from the beginning. I mean, we saw it in January. We saw it play out during the whole speaker implosion thing, you know, a while back. So, but I, I don't know. Are the, are the internals showing something different? Is Matt Gates learning anything from any of the uh, internals right now on, all right, the battles you can pick and the other, and the battles you can't at this moment. Are we too, uh, too close now to the, election season officially to be starting things like this and can you start something like this post october 7th is 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 that infighting going to reflect a different way for the gop in the house after everything that well this continuing resolution would not would not uh not fund would not fund israel would not fund um ukraine ukraine right uh wouldn't be involved in that whatsoever so right though they're trying to keep those separate in order to force uh him to do it now how this continuing resolution would be different when it comes to cutting than the house freedom caucus's presentation that they gave a plan to mccarthy that mccarthy approved back then i haven't seen the comparison yeah, on that at yeah. all. But no, that's it's, a good it's point. Interesting. I haven't either. It's interesting that you don't see the eight at all right. upset about what they were upset about a month ago. Okay, could they be? Could they be saying, "All right, look, 
the battle is now funding for Israel and not not this. We can all right, look, we can uh we can go ahead and, and deal with the uh one of the CRs, however it comes down. We'll agree to that. And and the battle now has to be funding for Israel, and that's gonna be the battle we choose now. And I don't know. Um it would make sense. But I haven't heard anything from Matt Gates or any of the other eight. So, you know, we'll see. And typically in a situation like this, it you know, because we get down to the wire this Friday. And so typically it's, you know, starts to heat up. Uh, we'll hear some talk about it, but it really starts to heat up Wednesday or Thursday if there is any kind of uh, within the GOP, any back and forth infighting going on there. We just haven't seen it yet. But I think I what's mean, there missing was, is there was some infighting last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last bill yeah. that they decided to table is because moderate Republicans didn't like the abortion language right. Right. that the conservatives put in. Right. Which right. is that directly related to the election? Yeah. And it last was Tuesday. And, right. And it. Yeah. And it wasn't. It also wasn't the uh, personality conflict type of infighting that we saw before. Uh, it didn't seem to be. And so. But. You know, in terms of the continuing resolution, if, I guess if there is a battle there between the eight or however many and leadership, we'll see it. Uh, maybe. Let, let me ask you this. Is, is part of Johnson's philosophy not to attack any Republican at all publicly? Could be. Could be. That and I'm, right that now, not, that's... not play the game. If Matt Gates hits him, so what? You don't hit him back. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, Kevin McCarthy, again, the Twitter battle. Yeah. You know, bring it on, <laughs> Gates. I just did. You know, and so there's the, you know, there's the, that, there's the difference. Maybe Johnson is going to be, you know, no, we're just going to do the work. And if we have issues on any particular bill, we'll work that out in the hallways. And we'll see, I guess. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you so much uh, for uh, being here. Coming up, uh, more audio from the Sunday morning uh, news shows. Interesting uh, uh, stuff. The uh, uh, left uh, political pundits out there. Joe Biden's got to tell these other third-party candidates not to run. We'll get to that coming up here. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. now Jill Stein's back in. Mm-hmm. Green Party. Yeah. Cornell West is in. Yeah. Kennedy is in. Mm-hmm. We could have the... Let me make sure I don't make the mistake I made the other day. <laughs> when I said Joe Manchin and uh, a, a Manchin carry ticket... I didn't mean Kerry. Yeah, Romney. I meant Romney. Mm-hmm. And then you caught me on it, and I said, well, what's really the difference? Yeah, not much, <laughs> actually. Uh, and and so it's because all these other candidates would run on different parties or independents besides Trump and Biden. Yeah. And you see, I don't care what the polls are saying right now. I, I mean, I, I, when, I will say this. The Bloomberg poll I saw over the weekend probably i think probably is more accurate just from my gut and my gut is if a cornell west runs a kennedy runs a uh who else kennedy cornell west jill stein mm-hmm. uh if if they all if they all run uh then that takes from biden yeah i it does if, I, if you look at cornell west the combination cornell west and jill stein that could be more than just, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, how it pans out in, in the end. But if somehow they both stayed in till the end and they were both on ballots, that's taking from the left. And I still believe Kennedy takes way more from Biden than he ever would from Trump, even though some of the polls last week didn't show that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Republican Party has gone much more populist liberal than I've than, than I know of right now because of everything that's happened over the last couple of years. Well, I, I think also it could be one of those cop-outs for a number of independents. You know, the cop-out vote. We need someone who's not right or left. Well, he's left, but you, you just don't want to say it. He's just not anyone you want to vote for. He's just, he's the non-candidate candidate. He's the, well, he's not Joe Biden. He's not Trump. And Jill Stein is one of the, well, he's not Joe Biden. And the same with Cornell West, uh, except for with Cornell West, it's this guy hasn't done anything as far as the far left is concerned. He hasn't done anything for us. We need somebody that would get in there and ramp it up. I mean, so between those two, uh, again, you grab from the left. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think Kennedy. I, I And I don't know to what extent independence, but you've got to be a left-leaning independent in my opinion, to go for Kennedy. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But if you don't know his history and you're voting for him, eh, it tells me you're probably not doing your homework and you're probably somebody who leans a lot more left than right. Unless it's just his outspoken uh, rhetoric on... Populism uh, thing? Well, no, on on, uh, vaccines. Unless that's yeah, what's sticking that takes I mean, it could be. a couple of points from Republicans. Yeah, no, that that could be. Um, because I don't know what else does. I mean, he's as yeah. far left as you could possibly get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it could be. That could be appealing 
to a number of people. But if they're, you know, I mean, it, so they're not going to vote for Trump. And I guess they vote for him. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. Of course. All right, you ready? What do you got? All right, this is this week, um, yesterday. Hmm. Uh, and uh, on was uh, uh, Jonathan Martin uh, from. Um, uh, Politico right. about what Biden should do now that you have because we re- we talked about it just a little bit just touched on it but Jill Stein's in uh, Cornell West is uh, is in now uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is in and so you've got right now you've got five <laughs> you've got at least five candidates for the general election yeah who will right. they pull from I did see the Bloomberg showing that Trump uh, still would in most cases. Uh, beat Biden, mm. Mm. even with, I think, Kennedy and let me just very quickly here, go back to this, just see what the poll, just uh, very quickly. Uh, okay, it has uh, Trump, Biden, Kennedy, and West. Trump would still win in Pennsylvania by three. He would win by three if it was just Biden. Mm. So uh, now it shows uh, uh, Trump. You know, Trump would beat Biden 47-44, and Trump loses six, uh, but uh, uh, Biden loses six. I don't buy that. I don't buy that he loses the same with Kennedy and West. Now, Jill Stein is not in any of these polls. What did she pull? Didn't she pull like 2%? Yeah, I was going to, in fact, I was going to look that up. Um, But, you know, it it was... This is something where the other day when she announced she was back in, I thought, okay, she's seeing the, you know, the situation, the, the landscape for what it is. And and that is the fact that Cornell West is further left than she is. But she had, I don't know, I guess consistent is the word following in the past. And maybe she's looking to capitalize on it. Uh, she's not going to win. The question is, how much does she take from Joe Biden? Because she does take from Joe Biden. Well, and the and the fact is, for environmentalists, which would be the far left mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party, she's she's uh, got name recognition. She's been there yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. I just don't have it here in front of me here. The. She she didn't run in twenty twenty though, did she? No, just twenty sixteen. Sixteen, and I'm trying to see. All right, 
Um, I don't have that. I'll have to. I'll have to look that up for 2016. And but but she made more of a splash in 2016, and which is interesting because she was taking from Hillary. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about you know the dynamic of. Uh, remember the whole I'm with her thing about Hillary. Oh, I forgot about that. Remember that? Or it's wasn't that it's her time? Yeah. Well, it's her time, uh, I think, was separate with the I'm with her became the anti-Trump people. The never some of the never Trumpers. Remember the what's his name? The guy, the the financial guy on Fox News. I came out and said, uh, yeah, I'm with her and here's why. And I'm like, I don't care what you say. I don't care what words you try and put together. It's still never going to make sense. But the point being is that Jill Stein was able to take from Hillary Clinton. And for the left, female against female, you know, there wasn't that euphoria for that that was at least in place enough to the point that it carried Hillary over the top in 2016. So, you know, that's the difference. But I think she does likely see it um, that you've got Cornell West. One, 1.07% of the popular vote. Okay. Overall, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I wanted to get into the breakdown of certain states um, and, and see where there was, you know, greater impact. That would be interesting in some of those um, state election uh, polls that are going on right now because i'm i'm really interested in rfk jr what is he taking from i think i'm right on this i think it's a number of i believe it would have to be left-leaning but it may not be independence you know you, you we have to factor in that you've got Probably a a greater number of never Trumpers in the rank and file than we did likely in twenty sixteen or twenty twenty. Oh yeah. yeah, and so yeah, of that is where I think RFK Junior is going to you know make an impact. If it's somebody from the right, it's it that's clearly who it would be. Yeah, but the number of Trumpers are willing to vote for Biden. So what does Kennedy offer them? Yeah. No, I mean, but it's, you know, is he offering anything to anybody? Is You know, that would be the question. Or is it just not Trump, not Biden? Or is it what we've seen in the past? where you have the independent candidates who poll much higher until you get closer to the election. Right. Because I think at some point, Jill Stein, wasn't Jill Stein at one point in the polls like 4 or 5%? I believe she was. I think she was. Uh, but, and, and so this is part of the discussion yesterday with Jonathan Martin at Politico, what uh, what uh, Biden should do on uh, on this week. So, Jay Martin, let me start with you. Mansion. Yes. <laughs> is he going to run for president 
as a third party, no labels can or Well, first of all, I think that this almost guarantees that the GOP takes over the Senate next year. It leaves almost no margin for error uh, for Democrats. They, they now have to win a series of tough states, including Montana and Ohio. So that, that's the headline. Yeah, look, Manchin is still teasing the possibility of running third party. And I think the combination of that tease from Manchin that you just played and Jill Stein, a name that will trigger Democrats out there, Jill yep. Stein's entry as a Green Party candidate this week should really wake Joe Biden up to the multidimensional threat he could face next year. A four-way or a five-way race that could be Bobby really Kennedy Jr., yes, Jill Stein, Cornell West. Cornell West, and potentially a no-labels type candidate. And, John, I think it's imperative, and a lot of Democrats do as well, that President Biden get people like Joe Manchin, like his buddy Mitt Romney, who he's talking to a lot these days, by the way, Manchin is, get them to the White House and say, you don't want Trump to be president again any more than I do. The only way to stop him is for me to win re-election. Maybe you don't like everything that I've done as president, but the goal has got to be to keep Trump out of the Oval Office. Stop the BS, guys. Let's stop Trump. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I've, here, here's my, my first thought. You know, I never, you never know what Manchin or a Romney would do. I mean, again, nobody has any idea whether Manchin's running and whether he would pick Romney as a vice president anyway. Yeah. Or, or it'd be Romney, whatever. So, uh, but, uh, I just, I don't think that Joe Biden would pull anybody in and say, you need to get out so I can win. I think he believes with his arrogance. And I believe after last Tuesday with, with his narcissism, that's still a part of whatever cognitive problems he has. That's still a part of his personality that he believes he'll win in a landslide no matter what. That people are actually yeah. pleased with what he's doing. Yeah. I really think I really think the George Costanza rule applies here. Yeah, right. It's not a lie if you believe it. Well, okay. So over the weekend I had this thought, and it's hard to know. Is he being told, given right now whatever's going on with his mind, is he being, have they come together at the White House saying, look, he's got to be the one to decide to, and or the campaign, he's got to be the one to decide, okay, I'm out. If Jill doesn't talk him out of it, then it has to be him to decide. So until that point, We've got to keep feeding him the cheerleader thing. You're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. Which Get is out. why, yeah. <laughs> we wish you we wish you'd quit. We but those are and, and that's what they're saying at the podium to the media. Ah, oh, he's doing great. He's doing great. People don't say it, he's doing great. He's doing great. Joe, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. And you just keep repeating that. Look. His arrogance, I believe, will not let him drop out. His ego's not going to let him drop out. So you just keep feeding him the line, hey, you're doing great. See, last Tuesday, that shows you're doing great. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. And you just keep it up until the inevitable implosion. I, I don't know. Here's a question for you. The the GOP eight that we're sick and tired of continuing resolutions. Mm -hmm. 
which is the major issue, the major issue of why they wanted a new speaker. And now you see Johnson talking about two continuing resolutions, yeah. two separate ones. Right. In order to in order to give the GOP time, uh, you know, to figure out what they you know wish to do, which is exactly what McCarthy was doing. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. the difference? You know, we mentioned October seventh, but is the difference over the last couple of days and the reason that he could offer the continuing resolution is because they know there is panic now with Mansion running. They look at West Virginia as a Senate seat got and believe they could take the Senate. Yeah. And so remember, Trump was not for getting rid of McCarthy. Yeah. You People said forget- with Manchin running, Manchin not running anymore. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. With Manchin not running. Yeah. yeah with Manchin with him not out. running. Yeah. Right. In, in, West, in West Virginia, they look at it and they say, okay, that's a, you know, we've got that state. You see how the media is worried about this mm. and the Democratic Party. And remember, Trump was not for getting rid of McCarthy. Right. Right. People forget about right, that. Right. He was not for McCarthy to be gone. Did Trump have a discussion with some of those eight? And say, look at the big picture because we have a chance at the Senate. And if we can keep it together, we can win the House and the Senate and the presidency. Did Matt Gates learn something by being burned by the media the day the vote came down on McCarthy? Remember that? The media... Someone in the media, a reporter, she asked him, have you spoken to Donald? Well, yes, I, I spoke to the former president and blah, 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 and he supports me. Well, actually, he issued a statement just moments ago on his social media page that he doesn't think this is the right way to do this. And Matt Gates got burned. And the reporter knew that. That's why she asked the question that way. She wanted to walk. She knew that Matt Gates had not seen that. Now, the question is, did it happen that early? Did Trump reach out to Gates or did Gates realize, oh, man, uh, if the MAGA leader doesn't believe this is good and says so publicly on Truth Social, then I don't look good here. And maybe, you know, and it's already too late. It's already happened. But maybe... I just go quiet after this and kind of simmer down. I don't know. Could be. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McMurray. You were just doing some uh, research for the 2016 election uh, showing how Jill Stein helped uh, Trump win Michigan and Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she had a much greater margin uh, of votes, much greater. Uh, it was, uh, in fact, in Michigan, uh, she had well over 51,000 votes, and Trump beat Hillary by... I don't know what the final total was, but it was fewer than what Jill Stein got. And the same was with Wisconsin. Uh, not the case in Pennsylvania. Uh, his margin was greater than the number of votes that she got in Pennsylvania in 2016. Um, but when you look at that, you know, this is where the liberal media, and I go back to uh, uh, one of the reference points here was uh, from 
uh, Brooke Seipel at thehill.com, December 1st of 2016. And there were still some numbers that were coming in, but that did hold true for Wisconsin and Michigan. And so now the question is, you know, will, would the same happen? And does RFK offset that in any way and take from, uh, well, I guess presumably Donald Trump? We'll see. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know what's interesting is the uh, members of the Biden administration this weekend all out saying, no, 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 the economy's actually doing great. We're so glad that he's here. Another four more years is needed for him to complete mm-hmm. this wonderful economy that he is putting out. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, no, that's not really working. Mm-hmm. And then the, the media scared to death the media, well, you know, Biden needs to talk to, uh, you know, Joe Manchin and say, hey, uh, uh, you know, to, to Joe Manchin and Romney mm-hmm. and say, look, guys, I know you don't like me, but if you don't vote for me, uh, then you get Trump. And the, I chuckle over that. But then when Jen Psaki basically is out there this weekend saying Biden isn't perfect. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Look, Biden isn't perfect. Which implies he's close, too, right? Right, exactly. Biden isn't perfect, but Trump. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, You know, I, I did wonder, too, over the weekend, how much of the... Um, how much of the... The negative stuff around Trump matters anymore. Because if you get down to the, the real thing in terms of the you know anything against trump really it's only his words it's been that way since the beginning but the left has thrown everything from uh you know uh, uh, the russian Russian collusion collusion hoax which when think if you think about how huge of a hoax that was and how many people this is why in fact i believe it's proof of what we had said even before that it's not a conspiracy theory, even though there were clearly some of those actors were working together. That is as dangerous as the similar mindset, the culture. They had this mindset going in from day one and we saw it over and over again. And you see that on the left. And that is what is really more dangerous. But you think all the things they've thrown at him, and, and now all the cases. I made the joke the other day, he's only three indictments away from clinching the presidency. And I I don't, 
those things, first of all, with his base aren't working, and I think that's a given. In fact, it's only strengthening maybe his base. But I wonder in the general election setting, even, how much it has. It could, by the way, it could be everything with far too many people. There could be a number of people that look at it and go, you know what, Uh, I know he's innocent. I know they didn't find anything on him. And it's, yeah, it's wrong that they did that to him. But, man, I sure would like to move on from all this and not have him uh, in the picture anymore, which, which, by the way, only leaves Biden. It's not going to leave Jill Stein. It's not going to leave RFK (laughs) Jr. They're not winning. They're not going to win. And so, you know, that's what it comes down. But, but on the other hand, that is also, you know, I would really love to get a move on from all this and not have either one. But if it's down to those two, I have to go with Trump because I remember my life during the Trump years moving all the way up until, you know, going through all the way up to the point of COVID. Man, thing, I remember things were great. I remember prices being, you, you know, with you and I uh, were old enough to remember really cheap menus. Forget dollar menus. They were right. sub-dollar menus. My wife and I were talking about it yesterday, you know. Remember back in the day when your parents could feed, you know, the kids. And it was, you know, still a lot of money for working-class families. 20-cent burgers. 20, 25-cent burgers. 15-cent. You know? I remember yeah. 15 cents. And McDonald's yeah, specials. Yeah. And and my wife brought that up yesterday. We were, you know, talking about it. And, you know, but you don't have to go back that far now to have, you know, because today's generation, if you're, you know, under the age of 40, you clearly don't remember those times. But you can, you certainly do remember pre-COVID, pre-inflation. You remember the prices. What does everybody on the comparison chart look at? Uh, whatever it might be on the economy, it's versus 2019. And much of that is pre-COVID, but it's also pre-inflation. Pre-wrong response to COVID is the way it should be phrased. And so a lot of people look at that and it, it is very motivating for people to say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd rather not have all of the chaos, but quite frankly, I would much rather not have this inflation and they haven't done the math they're just hoping praying crossing their fingers that a return uh for trump would mean a return to price normalization well you know when we talked about uh you know jill stein and her impact on the 2016 election that helped trump in both michigan and wisconsin in fact if you look at the actual votes that she got mm-hmm. that made the difference yeah that hillary would have won michigan and wisconsin right if it wasn't for jill stein um and but but you look at you know where we are now because we are so far away from 2016 mm-hmm. right now with everything that's that's uh uh been uh been going on it seems like too much today i was coming in when i was coming in tonight i couldn't believe the number of people that had their christmas lights on and yeah. i believe this is yeah. one of those years yeah. you know we talk yeah. about we talk about the COVID years. We talk about the years, mm-hmm. you know, the you know, twenty twenty, for example, and the the, uh, the 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 you know, COVID and the riots and everything else that happened, and how much people look forward to Christmas that year. But that year, they couldn't get together with relatives, and and so even their Christmas was destroyed. But you and I have followed this pattern for a long time. 
when things politically or economically get insane, people want to celebrate the holidays. They want to do it earlier. They do want to, uh, they do want to turn out. Right. Tune out. Yeah. Excuse me, not turn out. They do want yeah. to tune yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was it in the 60s? It was a get high, tune out, whatever. I can't uh, think of it. Turt. Turn on, turn on, turn on, turn off, or whatever it was. Turn, turn on, out. turn it off, knock it off, and get out, <laughs> I think. Uh, but, um, you know, I start, and I don't know the impact of this. I I do know, for example, when you look, for example, at, at, at Jonathan Turley, and we've mentioned this before, Jonathan Turley, Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, Michael Schellenberger, all loyal Democrats for life mm-hmm. that have now majorly turned against the Democratic Party. They know exactly what's going on. And I bring this up because people talk about, you know, the uh, the the problems with, uh, you know, the 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 problems with Trump. And I know that when Ronna McDaniel was on uh, with uh, Welker yesterday on Meet the Press, you know, she started she started saying, you know, and started talking about, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, about you know Biden and about the things that had happened. And I I told you I said she should have just hit what Ramaswamy said the other day. You were promoting the Russia collusion that was completely false and set up by Hillary for years, and she was smiling. McDaniel should have hit her on that. Mm. But if you look at it, and a column that uh, Turley had in The Messenger the other day just talked about all the subpoenas coming up and the trouble that that means. Yeah, You know, that he picked up on exactly what we picked up was Hunter Biden's lawyer coming out and, and stating yeah, let's see here. The quote came after reading the response of Abby Lowell, legal counsel for Hunter Biden, to the issuance of subpoenas for Hunter and other family members. Uh, Lowell said that Hunter is eager to have the opportunity in a public forum, but premised on that on the condition that it be the right time for Hunter to speak. Hmm. Well, because well, a congressional subpoena is really not an invitation for a sit down at a convenient time. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Says Hunter has spent years relying on denial and delay to fend off inquiries. With the subpoena, he'll now have to choose between cooperation and contempt on the committee schedule. Now, this is a deposition. This won't be, this is not public. All right. None of this is going to be public. And I do believe that this is a way of the Republican Party of, of stretching this out. I know that uh, 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 Johnson came forth the other day and even said, well, it's not the time for an impeachment mm. now. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that the Republicans do not want impeachment. What they want is to bring so much evidence forward that Biden is forced to resign. Yeah. Or not run again or forced to resign. I do believe or damage him politically. If he won't resign or do it, they damage him politically for 2024. Mm-hmm. I do believe that they don't want to go down impeachment before 2024. They might if he's reelected again and they keep the House. Yeah. But I just don't think that that's the, the, the goal. I could be wrong, but I everything I sense from what the leadership says, because when it came out, um, you know, when it uh, uh, when it has come out the last couple of weeks and Democrats will, when are they going to impeach? Oh, well, they haven't impeached yet. They haven't. And the media is behind them on it. They haven't impeached. They haven't impeached. Oh, no. Now we're getting close to impeachment because they're throwing out these subpoenas. Are they? would be my my question but he talks about the threat he goes the issuance of subpoenas to hunter his uncle and the biden family associate rob walker changes the entire threat and the range of options for the bidens attorney general merrick garland moved quickly and aggressively to prosecute trump associates such as steve bannon 
who failed to appear or cooperate with Congress. The public will demand the same vigorous prosecution in the face of any similar content by Biden associates. Uh, moreover, Hunter uh, has tried a wide array of approaches to the allegations of influence peddling from a plea of sympathy to threats of litigation. Too many in the media have been willing enablers of these shifting claims, including figures like Jimmy Kimmel, who conducted a softball interview that portrayed Hunter as a hero rather than an alleged influence peddler. That may change. If Hunter lies to congressional investigators, he can be charged with the crime. Hmm. While the Justice Department allowed the statute of limitations to run on various felonies, Hunter would be faced with a new set of charges with years for criminal charges to be brought by prosecutors. The situation is equally serious for the president's brother, James, who has long been accused by the House Republicans of influence peddling and then goes through the, the different you know, monetary amounts and everything mm-hmm, being transferred mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and saying that's the whole thing. You get the deposition because they either tell the truth or you've got them on a lie. Right. And then that's a federal crime at that point, which then they can bring to the Department of Justice. If the Department of Justice doesn't wish to prosecute, they can make that claim again, a two-tier system of justice. And you've got 70% of America now that believe that Joe Biden did something illegal or morally wrong. And it's roughly the same that I think it's about 60%. It was about a month and a half ago who believe that he's illegally covering up. Yeah. Things. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. That's, that is a huge problem. And it's, you know, again, it builds on the pressure of everything working against Biden, which he caused. Congressional interviews can be perilous, but they are far more so when your client's interview will cover years of transactions and statements. It presents Mm. a target-rich environment for investigators and ample opportunities to make misleading or false statements from witnesses. Hunter and his uncle may soon have company. In addition to a subpoena for Biden family associate Rob Walker, House committee has requested voluntarily or voluntary transcripted interviews with Sarah Biden, Haley Biden, Elizabeth Secundi, Melissa Cohen, and other Hunter, uh, and one-time Hunter business associate Tony Bobulinski. Hmm. Figures like Bobulinski are likely to cooperate. He's already accused President Biden of lying about his lack of, uh, lack of knowledge of foreign dealings, including giving detailed accounts of meetings with uh, Joe Biden in a hotel. However, committees often first request voluntary interviews before issuing subpoenas. Hmm. As with Hunter and James Biden, the committee has ample grounds to demand these interviews as part of both its impeachment inquiry and oversight authority. All right. So there you go. Hmm. Then goes through the whole addiction thing of his addiction excuse. Yeah. That was pretty poor. But you and I noticed because when the lawyer sounded very cocky, okay, bring it on at his time. Right. At Hunter's time, we went, right. there it is right there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a point. Well, he'll do it when he's ready. Uh-huh. Right. He doesn't want to be part of the political show of Republicans. Right. He's willing to defend himself to show his innocence, but at his own time. On his terms. On his terms. Exactly. Well, that's the arrogance that runs through the Biden blood. That is exactly right out of the father's playbook. They just don't know any other way. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. 
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Okay, I guess I'm, try- I'm trying to wrap this up in, a, in an entire package here, and, and that is that the, uh, you know, the uh, Biden, Biden uh, administration, and especially the media, is out there every day now saying Biden isn't perfect, but Trump wishes to get rid of democracy. Well, yeah. and, and the reason I, you know, and, and that you're going to hear that all the time. I mean, right, Trump wishes right. to get rid of, of, of democracy. And I just wonder, and I use, again, Jonathan Turley, Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, and Matt Schellenberger as my examples of people that were liberals who now see the horror of where the Democrats were going. Yeah. With, you know, especially with, if you, if you look at the first three of them, with censorship and free speech and then the demonization and wanting to destroy your life. And then Matt Taibbi, remember, the FBI coming to his door the day that he testified. And so you have all of these much more, I'll call them liberal independents, who are looking and saying, okay, worried about Trump? Mm. Wait a minute. The Democrats, you know, Trump, what you're saying is Trump wants revenge and is going to go after people. Well, we'll see. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you have the typical rhetoric that goes on during an election, but who's actually whether you want to call it a conspiracy or a culture, who has, for example, lied for three years about Russia collusion in order to destroy a initially to destroy a presidential election, and then when that didn't work, destroy the presidency? Who was involved in that? The media, the FBI, the by the the uh, the, the Biden administration. That was all them. Mm-hmm. Who was involved in censorship? Who was trying to censor the truth? The Biden administration, the media, the FBI, the Department of Justice. You know, who wishes to really get rid of free speech? (laughs) The Biden administration, the FBI, the Department of Justice. Who wishes to go after parents as domestic terrorists for caring about their kids? The Biden administration, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the media. And so you look at everything here with with going on with Hunter Biden. It's another example that the Republicans can point out if they can bring forth more evidence or lies or allegations of perjury that are obvious from the Biden family that relate uh, to a Joe. You can then go back again to the cover-up of not wanting to investigate what the Biden family was doing from the administration, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the media. And I do think that that's probably the number one goal, which is why I don't think they they may have no choice, but I don't think the Republicans, unless they had an extremely uh, strong case, which they may, especially after the depositions and everything that goes on there, that I just, I don't think that that's their goal is to have an impeachment before 2024. I think it's to bring up so much damaging information that either Biden has no, uh, well, he's ha- he has to resign or the call from other Democrats where it becomes obvious, all right, he's corrupt. You and you brought up the drip, 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 and the GOP. You know, maybe holding on to things. Maybe they they release it. You know, in 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 time, <laughs> the new time release formula, and so that 
You know, but it would make sense going into the 24 season. And why is that? Because the party itself would have to scramble in the event that Biden were to drop out in March. Right. What does that look like? And maybe that's why everyone's looking at Newsom saying, well, maybe he needs to continue acting like he's running. threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So while the Democrats say that Trump would be, if reelected, a threat to democracy, mm. you have out there, and that's why I bring up the Jonathan Turleys, the Matt Taibis, the Barry Weisses, and the Michael Schellenbergers, that mm-hmm. all are... Um, and you can even throw Dershowitz in there. By the way, somebody wrote an article about Dershowitz. You're so anti-Biden, and you think the things he has done is are absolutely horrendous, including their response, you know, and their rhetoric on on the Israeli-Hamas conflict and the anti-Semitism. And you're still going to vote that, for him? I, I, you, I've been in my mind I, that keeps repeating every time he talks about it. You know, because he talks about you know I can't wait to vote against Trump. You know, but then defends Trump on the, and it's like, yeah, but you got to see the tactics. And that sounds so disingenuous. Um, but I guess if, I don't know, did he get the, uh, the tattoo, the liberal tattoo? And you just kind of, you know, once you wear that tattoo, you just, <laughs> you're in, you can't, you can't get out. Well, I mean, it's when, when you think of, of everything thrown at, at Trump and let's go through it, that, you know, and the white house was doing it this, this, uh, this weekend. And, and Jen Psaki did it. Yeah, mm. Trump isn't perfect, but uh, Trump. Biden isn't perfect, but Trump will destroy democracy. Yeah. So he hasn't, but he will. All right. Now, he didn't when he was president, but he will if he becomes president again. He will destroy democracy. Will you, mm. The point is that when you have 70% of the 60 to 70% of the people believe that the Biden administration is corrupt and immoral and or immoral. Yeah. Is it tougher to make that when you have, if you have in the pe- people that I just mentioned in the media that were always Democrat liberals who now have moved away to, to the bizarre uh, uh, tweet that Barry Weiss put out when, when she was like, well, you finally realized Trump was right. And the right. ones that are trying to destroy democracy are the Democrats. It's like, it's like, wow. I mean, it's the truth. Well, but because st- knowing how smart she is, it just, it, and, and the same with Dershowitz. Yeah. You know, Dershowitz on the law and on the Constitution, it's like he nails it so many times. And, and with Barry Weiss, the same thing. You see the critical, in her work, you see critical thinking. Yes, and do. it's like, all right, but what took you so long to reach this point? You didn't want to believe it? Well, I guess, and again, on the tribal thing, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the, I joke about the tattoo, but well, once you got the tattoo, you can't get out. You know, once you, once you have, you know, been ingrained, embedded, 
born and raised into it. It's in the blood. And then I would just, I would love to know what that awakening is like. But I question its authenticity. I wonder if she had seen it before and just didn't want to see it. Just didn't want to acknowledge it. Well, you I, I don't. I don't believe she's a dishonest person. I, people go through that. They they go through these things where they look at it and go, "Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but," and then all of a sudden it's like, "Okay, holy cow!" And I guess it also could be she's thirty nine. Yeah. Yeah, I knew she was somewhere in there. So it's, 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 but you know, you look at Bill Maher because we played the audio cut earlier where he's so disappointed in Barack Obama and Barack didn't do anything wrong. Right. Well, when is the light finally going to go off in Bill Maher's head that everything that we're dealing with right now with the incredible Nazi anti-Semitism, which is an exclusive, has exclusive ownership of the left, yes, that it comes directly from identity politics that is embraced by the mainstream of the Democratic Party. When are they finally going to wake up and go, oh, connect the dots. We're judging people as groups and not individuals. It's oh, not new. Duh. It leads to racism and anti-Semitism and Nazi kind of hatred. It's duh. not new. It's not I know, new. I know. It's, just it's like, not new. But you know what? And they also- the one thing that the left has mastered is the labeling. Well, up until maybe up until lately, not with us, not with conservatives, no. not with critical thinkers, but to the large extent, well, largest extent, their side. They have been able to, and you and you see it everywhere. They talk as if it's a given. They're still in the mindset that the Russian collusion hoax is real. Many of them. I know. They're still of the mindset that they're not bigoted. It must be the other side. And October 7th, for anyone who was being honest, because I refuse to believe anyone is this stupid. You're either radical or you're not, period. And we have been looking at it, but it goes back, way back on the Bill Maher thing. This goes way back. Remember when uh, some in the Jewish community in New York were like, man, well, we, we can't believe, we supported him. We couldn't believe Obama was so anti-Israel. Yeah. We're like, what? where have you been? I know. It was, where have and, you been? And that goes back, what, 13 years ago? Yes. Yeah. Maybe 13, yeah. 14 years ago. And it was like, and it was yeah. like they were just, it was utter shock yeah. to them. It's like, where have you been? And it made me wonder, because I thought about that again recently, you know, with everything after October 7th, because I can't imagine what it's like right now to be Jewish, not in Israel. That's a totally different thing, uh, which is horrific when you think about it. But being Jewish in the U.S. right now with all of these violent protesters 
and and what that must feel like. I, in my mind, I pray that this radical mindset goes away. But I don't see it going away just yet anytime soon. It's only ramped up. It has only become over-the-top blatant, and now they are to the point that they are proud of it, and they are marching for it. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is bizarre. And if you don't put this together, if you haven't put this together by now, Bill Maher and Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, one of the comments that he made, he said, you know, it's basically, and, and that little series didn't really get political. But, you know, you're going to bring Bill Maher on. It's going to get a little political. And he talked about the labeling of terrorists and talking about Muslim extremists and separating that from Muslims and the whole thing that you had to walk on eggshells. And he said, who are we afraid of offending here? The terrorists? Something we have been, but he acknowledged that. Well, who was the one of the biggest drivers on that front? Barack Obama, Obama and his administration. Yep. You saw it in the first one of the first response responses to the question about anti-Semitism from Corinne Jean-Pierre of the current administration. And then she flipped through her book and didn't acknowledge that at first. And then uh, clearly they saw some internals, and then she she acknowledged it, what, a couple of weeks later? The clear, over-the-top anti-Semitism going on right now. And and you've seen the, the uh, anti-Semitism come out of the White House when Corrine Jean, or not Corrine Jean-Pierre, but when um, Kamala Harris the other day said, well, we have to look at this. This isn't just a binary situation. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Because they're trying to make now, and you even saw that writer in the New York Times, uh, that and it was a she was a poor, I can't think of her name, the one that was on uh, with Bill Maher, and she goes, well, the only thing that's a moral equivalency is is uh, the fact of the collateral damage that's done. That's not a moral equivalency. No, collateral damage is not a moral equivalency. That's the reality of war. Yep. The moral equivalency is saying that uh, the that Hamas is was justified in what they did mm. because of Israel's actions right. and what they did and Israel's response are somehow equal because of the collateral damage from Israel and that is out and out right that's nazi propaganda is mm-hmm. what that is mm-hmm. that's as close as you can get to nazi propaganda and now it's coming from the white house yep. and we told you from the very beginning it would be yep because we know that the Biden administration is very closely associated with the Obama administration, mm-hmm. which we believe was anti-Semitic the entire time. And I think Obama, with his speech last week, made our point for us. Yep. It made it with Bill Maher, who's a liberal. Yep. And because, because that's that, if you try to make that analogy, if you're trying to that reach, which was so absurd to... You know, I can't believe he said that. I can't yeah, believe he yeah, said that. Yeah. Well, he's an anti-Semite. Right. He plays identity politics that you bought into, Bill. Right. And has been. And Yes. He's, he's the one that brought all of the radical left agenda to the surface and made it mainstream. He did. 
And if you don't see that, then you're either part of the radical left and you don't care, I guess, or you're just blind and you're not you're not looking. So when I look at the at, at 2024 and I and I see this, I see, you know, because that's the thing now. Biden isn't perfect, but Trump wishes to get rid of democracy. And you got a bunch of thinkers out there now that, you know, independent uh, left media people, as I just said, Barry Rice, Jonathan Turley, mm-hmm. Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, who have been attacked by the left and the Democratic Party for yeah. pointing out yeah. the the censor conspiracy that exists in the federal government that is against the First Amendment and therefore unconstitutional, and they have felt the wrath of the left on it. And so there are many probably like-minded people, millions of people that look and go, Trump's a threat to democracy. Look what you guys were trying to do. Right, exactly. And in many cases succeeded in doing. I mean, the piece by by Barry Weiss, I mean, the acknowledgement, Trump was right. Yeah. That's not a small thing. No, it's not. You know, I was looking at the swing between the polls in 2016, the last RCP averages for a number of states. It didn't have all the states, but it listed the numbers. And there was such a swing between the last RCP averages and on November 7th of 2016, and then the results. There was such a swing. This is a pretty big swing for a Barry Weiss to come yeah. from where she was at one point. Well, that to was... Not, to say, not just... Hey, this is wrong. They're doing this to Trump. But to say Trump was right is a bigger swing, in my opinion, because it's a bigger acknowledgement. But that's why the polls right now, remember, everything in 2016 changed in a matter of three weeks. Mm -hmm. The Hillary campaign saw that in their internal polls. They saw that in the the final days. They knew they weren't going to see. uh, They knew Pennsylvania was out of the question. But the movement started three weeks before. Yep. Yep. And so that's why we say you look Mm -hmm. at it now. Well, when's the intensity come and how does that how do that many people change three weeks? Well, then it gets serious. Who are you really going to vote for? What are you going to do? Well, and that's why I bring it up. If it's if, if Barry Weiss has that big of a swing in her opinion. How many right now, how many American voters are seeing that going? Oh, man, he was right. Eight, six, six, 90 red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, coming up, uh, other problems uh, uh, for the uh, president. Inflation remains top issue among voters ahead of 2024. Wait till we get to everything, ev- everything that you look at, everything you look at, that the top four things that they registered are all things that were created by the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the problems were created yeah. by them. We'll get to that yeah. coming up. Plus, I'll tell you about that California sheriff. See that sheriff that that uh, there was a target in California that wanted to help, that that wanted help with the police to stop the shoplifting. Right. So the police came in because of the request from Target, and right. then Target did everything they possibly could to keep it quiet that the police were there to stop shoplifting. They wanted it kept under the rug if anybody was arrested or anything because they didn't want to tick off. 
I guess, California residents that they were arresting people right. for committing crimes. Right. And the sheriff was just pulling his hair out saying, they came to us for help and they don't want our help. Right. They don't want us to be seen. Right. You can't help that. That you have people have to accept it. Look, no shopper wants to see something like that go down. But the one thing you come away with as a shopper, a law abiding shopper, is the cops are doing their job and they got the guy. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome to the Monday. Well, to a Monday, the last week before we enter officially the holidays. That's crazy. I know. Uh, It doesn't, I mean, because the weather's been so nice. We had one cold spell. It wasn't that cold. And at night, it chills down a little bit, but, I mean, it's been beautiful here. We have no chance of rain. Well, we have very slight chance of rain all this week and about a little over 70 every day. Yeah. And, no, it's and, perfect. And so I actually put up all of my Christmas stuff this past weekend because this week I want to hit as many golf balls as possible and I want to play Hopefully a few times this weekend. I'd like to play Friday and Saturday. So normally I put all my stuff up the weekend before mm. Thanksgiving because I travel. And when I come back, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to put it all up. It's all up. Mm-hmm. It's after Thanksgiving and boom, I just turn it, just flick the switch and put it on. But mm-hmm. this week or this year, a week earlier, just so I can enjoy the nice weather. It's supposed to be nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. it looks beautiful. I know. And I can't believe the week after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just can't, I just it just it's just going too too quickly. And think about it. Uh <laughs> a year from now, what will we be talking about? The election results. <laughs> and a year and a half from now, <laughs> the, the election final results. election <laughs> results will be in. <laughs> All right. This story just you just shake your head over it. The sheriff of California's Sacramento Sacramento County accused Target leaders, the store Target, of preventing deputies from thwarting shoplifting incidents despite the store requesting help to stop the rampant retail crime. Quote, we don't tell big retail how to do their jobs. They shouldn't tell us. How to do ours, said Sheriff Jim uh, Cooper, posted on a lengthy X post on Thursday. Cooper said Target, one of the largest retailers in the U.S., reached out to his office multiple times requesting assistance with shoplifters 
who the sheriff said were frequently known transients. The sheriff's office and Target worked to conduct an operation at the store to nab the shoplifters, but the plan apparently crumbled after Target leaders made a list of rules for where and how deputies and detectives could arrest the suspects. (laughs) At the briefing, here's a quote, at the briefing, we were told by the head of regional security that we could not contact suspects inside the store, we could not handcuff suspects inside the store, and if we arrested someone, they wanted us to process them outside behind the store in the rain. The sheriff continued, adding earlier in his comment that I can't make this stuff up. Cooper said the list of rules from the company came down to Target wanting to avoid bad press. Target wanted to avoid newspaper articles saying Target is cracking down on shoplifting. (laughs) You don't want to upset the shoplifters. (laughs) We were told they didn't want to create a scene inside the store and if people film it and put it on social media, they didn't want negative press. Unbelievable, he wrote. The National Retail Federation recently published a study investigating which major metropolitan areas across the United States are most affected by organized retail crime based on surveys from at least 200 retailers. Four California cities landed on the top 10 list, including Sacramento, who shared the seventh spot along with Chicago. Cooper said the members of his department even watched a woman swipe a bunch of body washes from store shelves during the operation, but claimed target leaders turned a blind eye to the matter. Our deputies watched a lady on camera bring in her own shopping bags, go down the body wash aisle and grab a bunch of body washes. Then she went to the customer service and returned them. Target chose to do nothing and simply let it happen. Wow. Yet somehow locking up deodorant and raising prices on everyday items we need to survive is their best answer, the sheriff said. So she shoplifted the body washes and then went to customer service to return them without a receipt? Yeah. How did that end Happens all the time. I know that uh, a number of retailers over the years have changed their policy on on uh, on return items. You know, you have to prove that you bought it at some point. And it's a it's a delicate approach your return policy because there are people that don't keep a receipt, right? And they buy something and if it's I don't know, if it's spoiled or if it's no good, if it's broken, then they feel like they should be able to return it. Look, I bought it here. I don't have my receipt. You get a store credit. Or in the case of, you know, I, something like that, um, somebody bought it for me, and but it's not the kind I use. Give me a store credit. 
Fox News Digital reached out to Target early Sunday morning and apparently had not heard back yet. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you defend that? I mean, if that's true, where the deputies watched a lady on camera bringing her own shopping bags, go down the body wash aisle, grab a bunch of the body washes, then she went directly to customer service and returned them and got a credit? And the store knew that she stole them? Because police were watching in the store on the camera, well, I, so they were they were aware of it and they allowed it to happen, so there wouldn't be bad publicity. Sounds like it, according to at least what the you know what what is being portrayed here in the story. I wondered what keeps a brazen thief from doing something like that, especially in the larger. Super Targets, Super Walmarts, massive stores where they just go in, you know, fill your shopping bag with this and then walk up and return it. I don't have a receipt. That's because you didn't buy it. You just picked it off the shelf just now. We watched you do it. Now, granted, in Equalizer 1, Denzel Washington did allow... The armed robber to take mm-hmm. the ring, the clerk's ring. Mm-hmm. But then, but, but he then he, he was going to bring it back. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and she got it back. I right. mean, uh, you know, he uh, Denzel borrowed a, sh- uh, a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, I mean, but this- he returned it. Slightly used. Yes, he returned this. Yeah, he did. Slightly used. Technically, he shoplifted from his own store. Nonetheless, for the wear. (laughs) That that blood on that hammer? No, it's paint. You know the uh, uh, I'd seen on YouTube just over this weekend. You know, the guy that played, you know, the the Russian organized crime yeah. fixer-upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw an interview with the real actor. He's the nicest guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like... And he plays a... He often plays a Russian bad guy. He's played a Russian yeah. bad guy in a number of movies and shows. Apparently he's not Russian. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. But he was—he was just great because just a nor- my, my first question: Were those all your tattoos? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that show, that movie or series of movies, the bad guys have some wild tattoos. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, that's why they have to be an organized crime just to afford the tattoos. They, uh, I think John Wick, same thing. Tons oh, of tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Is that tattooist? I don't know if that's tattooist. I think it would be. You shouldn't look at somebody who's got, you know, full sleeves, neck tattoos and things like that as a bad person. <laughs> yeah. All the Hollywood does is portray them as bad <laughs> And then Hollywood just, I mean, it's still today. Because if you look at the trend of tattoos, I mean, really. The neck tattoo thing mm-hmm. isn't as out of the norm as it used to be. Well, how dare you? 
I'm a nice guy. I'm just in a boy band. (laughs) 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 Which is the issue I have more than them being a bad guy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's especially dangerous. Wow. So that story, just unbelievable. Yeah. But California. but, but, But here's, I guess here would be my question. Giving Target the benefit of the doubt, do they in California, is there a cultural problem with a retailer being looked, you know, they, again, the culture of California, not everybody in California, we understand that, but the far left in California, how dare you arrest somebody? She just needed that body wash for her fam to feed her family, or whatever excuse they're going to make. And is that a problem? We know where it went politically. So our retailers looking at this, going, "Look, we're going to get hammered by the far left. This is going to be a problem. The mob will be at our door if cops." Or arresting shoplifters on our property. And people are seeing it. It'll be all over social media. People will get their phones out. They'll record the whole thing. It, Yeah, you and I would say, well, wouldn't that be a deterrent? Uh, <laughs> typically. I mean, that's how... That's but how, if you're giving... Typically, def- we would look at it. But in a culture where you give the deference to the criminal, the retailer looks like the bad guy. You guys can afford it. You have insurance. We hear that over and over again. And that's the mindset of the left. Remember the, the small stores in, uh, in Portland and Seattle, the mom and pops that were saying, we, we can't keep doing this. We've got to close our doors. Well, the far left hammered them. How dare you? You're part of the problem because their defense on that, the far left, was you've got insurance. Your insurance pays. And one store store owner had to point out, well, no, actually, that's not the case. After repeated incidents, we no longer get a payout by the insurance company. And on top of that, our premium goes through the roof. But in cultures like that, in the far left, in areas like that, there is no speaking the truth. There's only the mob and the mob rules. So I don't know what's going on. I I can't tell you everything that's going on in in this case with, with Target. But I just have to wonder if part of it is very real in a state like California with the far left and the mob ruling. And and they say the mob will be at our door. They'll shut this store down if they see cops arresting anybody for shopping. But, you know, something as ridiculous as I I believe that is, because you eventually have to take a stand for law and order. But as ridiculous as it is, understand that it has become almost mainstream to say that 
Hamas is justified for decapitating babies. Yes. So shoplifting is a minor infraction oh, compared exactly. to that. Exactly. And if they're promoting that as justifiable. Yeah. Is she going to jail because she took some body wash? Really? I mean, that's yeah. the mob mentality. And who gets hit? The big retailer. These huge corporations make billions of dollars and they want to send her to jail. I could see that being the case. Meanwhile, you or I walk out something and the the beeper doesn't go on and we get to our vehicle and we realize, oh, my gosh, I didn't pay for it. You and I turn around and go back in and we pay for it, whether it's a large corporation or not, because it's not our property. I had a pack of batteries one time and it was underneath something in the cart, uh, like I think a case of bottled water or something. And I and. The, the bottled water slid to the back or I moved it to the back or something. And so it was sitting on top of those batteries and I didn't see it. You know, the whole, please check your cart. <laughs> I don't check my cart. I usually do, but I didn't see it. And I walked out to my car and I was like, whoa. And I looked at my receipt just to make sure. Nope, that's not on the receipt. When I went back in, they looked at me like I was from another planet. I said, I need to pay for this. Got out to my car this is in the bottom of my cart. I need to pay for it. Lady looked like I was from another planet. Because I'm the same as you are. There's no gray area there. It's not mine. It, it isn't mine. It's not a complicated thing. It's not right. mine. I didn't right. pay for it. It's, I pay for it. Exactly. Doesn't matter if they're a big corporation, small mom and pop. It's not mine. Right. Because they're a big corporation does not justify my stealing property. Right. Any property. Exactly. From anyone at exactly. any time. Exactly. Except ketchup packs at McDonald's. It's not stealing if they give it to you. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. There it is again. It's like every single day, and, and you saw this article and pointed it out to me in CNBC. Wind power industry in moment of reckoning as stocks fall and earnings crumble. Yep. And you're seeing this, and it would it's inevitable that, that it, um, or it was always inevitable, that the industries that build this stuff, that make this stuff, 
and ultimately have to repair or maintain this stuff were going to be the ones that spoke out first. Because at some point it becomes too costly. I, I don't know what the mindset going in was. I, I guess it was, well, you know, the federal government with all the money, they'll just increase the money and they'll cover it and they'll cover it and they'll keep covering it. And of course, that's not going to happen. The, the political will for more money into this is not there. And we're seeing it play out right now. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Oh, oh my gosh. Mm. <laughs> I just I just saw this and uh I didn't I didn't know that NBC did a fact check. Remember when uh, DeSantis said that uh uh he um uh he arranged uh, let me just make sure I get the quote from I sent planes over to Israel and brought back over 700 people to, uh, to safety. Remember yeah. he said, if you're from Florida, we want to bring you back. Right. Well, what he did was he uh, put out an executive order. And the money went to a nonprofit group that flew him out. And the executive order paid for to get them out. All right. Okay. NBC fact-checked the statement that he made, which was he himself didn't fly the plane. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I sent the planes to Israel and brought back over 700 people to safety and, 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 and brought back over 700 people to safety. And they view it as, uh, inaccurate. They view it as inaccurate, half false because he did not personally fly the planes. I, seriously, I guessed at that. Oh, I thought you knew. No. Yeah, it's... <laughs> seriously. <laughs> well, he didn't actually fly the planes himself. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Had he flown the plane? Well, he didn't actually own the plane. (laughs) I mean, you can't make this up. Well, yeah, actually, you can. It's just insane. That's just insane. Then to show you how, but this is, but but that, by the way, that's part of the panic in the media. Yeah. That's part of the, of anybody, anybody who's a, a, a Republican, because we need to, we never need to cover this part too. Uh, and 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 Turley writes all this. He goes. We have often discussed and even marvelled at the determined effort of mainstream media to ignore the evidence of a massive corruption scandal surrounding the Biden family. Yeah, we got to bring this one up because this right. one I saw this I saw this late last week and I almost forgot about it if I hadn't seen this article right now. However, even at this late date, NBC seems to have achieved singular distinction with the comparison between the criticism of the daughter of Nikki Haley for using TikTok 
and the criticism of Hunter Biden for influence peddling during the Republican presidential uh, debate. Vivek Ramaswamy responded to Haley's criticism of his use of the Chinese linked social media app TikTok by pointing out she made fun of me for joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you may want to take care of your family first. That's the quote. Uh, Haley responded, calling Ramaswamy, quote, scum, end of quote. Hmm. Now, get this now. Later, Governor Ron DeSantis said the children of candidates need to be left, out, need to be out of bounds. NBC saw the immediate opportunity to denounce the investigation into Hunter Biden. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he believes going after an opponent's children is out of bounds in political warfare. DeSantis, however, goes after President Biden's son on a weekly basis. End of quote. Hmm. <laughs> the comparison perfectly captured the all-hands-on-deck effort of the media in resisting coverage of the Biden scandal. A major network wanted the public to see the criticism of Haley's daughter for using TikTok as the same as criticism of Biden's son for influence peddling with the Biden family and his father. Mm. One child was posting playful social media posts while the other was orchestrating massive payments from foreign figures. This is why the polls have shown the media at record lows in terms of public trust. Yeah, sure. That one I found, I, I saw that the other day, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And they go, no, they actually did. They actually did. It's like children. It's it seriously is like children. But what do you expect? I know. What do you expect? <laughs> it sounds like Fauci is sitting up there and you're asking Fauci if the governor of Florida did what he said he did. Well, he didn't actually fly the plane, so no. I sent planes over to Israel, and I brought back over 700 people to safety. Yeah, well, you didn't do that. Somebody else did it. You didn't fly the planes. You didn't fly the planes. But he said, I sent. Yeah. But when he said, and I brought clear. back over 700 people. It's very, as a result of his orders. Of his executive When you order, read right. something like that. By the way, had he actually flown the plane and flown it back? Can you imagine the, the the news of something like that? No one in their right mind read that statement and said to themselves, because the only thing would be, okay, did he actually do the executive order? Did he actually do anything? Or was that put into motion? Was it funded by a nonprofit? And he really didn't do anything at all. He just says he's claiming something that isn't true. He had no place in it whatsoever. That would be fact-checking. But you know what they did? They fact-checked it and then said, well, he's, he actually did do this and he was responsible for it. He gave he was the authority in this case. So what do we do? Well, did, did he actually? This is the room that they're in, the meeting. 
well, we can't say that it was true. They can't. We can't fact check Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, a.k.a. Satan himself. And claim that it was and, and say what he claims is true. We have to find something on him. Oh, I, I know. Yeah, what? Did 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 he actually fly the planes? Ooh, that's a good one. I love this here. Yesterday we discussed NBC's bizarre comparison of Hunter Biden's multi-million dollar alleged influence peddling to Nikki Haley's daughter use of TikTok. The comparison was made to hit uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. That target is notable due to another equally bizarre fact check by the network where the company suggested that DeSantis half lied when he claimed to have arranged the removal of hundreds of American citizens from Israel. The network said it was only, quote, half true, end of quote, because someone else flew the planes. DeSantis only supplied the money through the executive order. I kid you not. (laughs) Seriously. It's just, it's just insane. That is just insane. (laughs) But but that's it, you know. But how many times have we seen this kind of approach to fact-checking or questioning or debating anyone on the right? They don't have anything, so they'll just come up with something. Something as stupid as, something as childish as, well, he didn't actually fly the plane. So how is it half true to say I scrambled resources to Florida, I sent planes over to Israel, and I brought back over 700 people to safety? He even made a direct reference to supplying the resources for the flights. The correction also implicates millions of parents who regularly say they flew their kids home for the holidays. (laughs) NBC is suggesting that you should say, I supplied the money to allow my kids to purchase tickets to have United Airlines fly them home. Yes. However, it was not the company as a whole that literally flew them back. So you might want to say to have employees of United Airlines fly them home because Mm. United Airlines actually didn't. It was the employees of United Airlines. Yeah. NBC could now presumably tackle more aspirational flight claims like the many bumper stickers that claim Jesus is my co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> not not only not only are the cars not <laughs> capable of prolonged flight, but Jesus is not even licensed in any state to operate a motor vehicle. <laughs> Oh, Oh my gosh. For NBC, declaring this a half-truth is still preferable preferable to saying that it is true, particularly when the statement was preceded by a criticism of President Joe Biden in asserting that President Biden's neglect has been atrocious. We had Floridians that were over there after the attack. He left them stranded. They couldn't get flights out. Yeah. NBC's fact check brings new meaning to Benjamin Franklin's warning that Half a truth is often a great lie. Yeah. So there you go. But but if you ever want to know why we say that the media is not, they're not journalists and they're not 
fact checkers, they're political activists. You have two examples from NBC over the last few days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have it right there. It 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 really is. Look, when you're <laughs> when you're defeated, I guess you just kind of have to make it up. That's an right there. That's a Mayorkas Fauci approach. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. To fact checking the, the new president of NBC, Mayorkas. That's right. Head of programming, Fauci. That's exactly what you hear. You know, the thing is, people don't trust this. This is the thing. People don't trust the media to begin with. And they don't trust, as you know, politicians to begin with. And when you see, because I started thinking about this uh, just in general over the weekend, it's almost as if the Biden administration and the media want to see they believe that the people that vote for them or support them, they believe that liberals are idiots because yeah. otherwise they wouldn't right. try to sell them on these things. Mm-hmm. That was directed at liberals because yeah. no independent is going to buy into that. Only a liberal is going to buy into this. Somebody who's the converted. Oh yeah. That, yeah. that DeSantis lied, mm-hmm. you know, half lied about the trip to Israel. Everybody knows what, what the, the meaning of it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, this is just the con- continuation of how they think of the people that actually support uh, their network mm-hmm. and support their politics, mm-hmm. that they're willing to throw out this ridiculous lie to yeah. you. But it yeah. doesn't matter whether it's a fact check, because that fact check is a lie. Yep. Yep. So as we said, remember, fact checks came along so that we we would get rid of disinformation. Mm-hmm. That fact check from NBC is disinformation. Yeah, it's a, it's a flat out lie. They want you to believe because what they're saying is, well, he didn't really do the most important thing here. He didn't fly He's, the plane. He didn't fly the planes because what they don't like, what they hate, is the fact that you know, as the authority here. For his state. That he took charge. They hate that. They hate that. we got to bring that down a notch. Just amazing. Wow. Children. Just when you think they can't go any further. Yep. There you go. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of the hour, we will tell you about a uh, city in uh, Wisconsin mm-hmm. that uh, instructing its employees to avoid religious holiday decorations in public buildings. You know what that would include? Mm. Colors. Oh. Green and red. Not religious symbols. Not like a manger, but even Christmas colors of green 
and red on anything would be discouraged. Well, because green is the Green Party and red is a Republican. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. We can't have that. <laughs> well, they they do allow that. Let me just see. What was it? Uh, the uh, the colors. Uh, oh, go, I'll find it here. Mm. Um, I think it was like colors like purple. Uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll have to find it, but, but it was like purple and, but not green and red, not allowed. We'll get to that, uh, coming up. What, plus, what, what if somebody poli- wants to put up a rainbow flag, by the way? Plus in the polling coming <laughs> up, inflation remains a top issue for voters. No, that's a great, it's a great point though. Yeah. Do they have right. to, you know, mark out the green and red right. on the rainbow <laughs> flag? I'm just asking questions. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. 